Nick, there are a million places we could start this episode, but I think we just need to start by traveling down memory lane if you're prepared to do that. Let's go. So this is what it sounded like when you were on our show on October 19th. It was just two weeks ago. You were in the opening act of a buddy cop movie with your new BFF, Kyrie Irving. I just want to clarify one more time. Before We're, we're going to be best friends by the end of the I, year. We already are. Me, you, you, <laughs> you think we're best friends right now, but by the end of the year, we're going to be, we're gonna we're be, gonna be best You're going to give me a hug. You're going to be like, look. But that wasn't all. There was also this part. I'm walking out of the press conference room in Barclays. Kyrie comes out of another door and he looks at me and he is dead serious. And he goes, hey, man, you need to ride home? And I'm like, no, Kyrie, I, like, I appreciate it, but I've got a ton of work to do still here. He goes, no, 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 it's cool. Like, you need to ride home? Seriously, we can take you. And I'm like, no, no, no. I feel like I, I'm living a surreal life <laughs> listening to how quickly things have changed. Because Pablo, all the good feelings, not only between Kyrie and I, but all the good vibes with this Nets team, they were legit. This is what you testified to us about that energy running through the entire Brooklyn Nets organization in that same show. The only thing I can tell you is, as somebody who gets paid to cover this team, how great the vibes are right now, Pablo. It is stunning. You walk in there, everybody seems to be in a good mood. Everybody sees Ben Simmons moving up and down the floor, and you see Kevin Durant being Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving being on the same page with everybody in a great mood. Everybody is on the same page, and everybody feels great for now about where they're at. I want our listeners to understand now, back in the present tense, that Nick, hearing all of this, has been shaking his head, holding his head in his hands. What are you feeling right now, man? Hearing all of this back after the week that is not yet done. It was all true. <laughs> that, that's what I want people to know. It was all true. And I just cannot believe that we're here this quickly. I thought that there was a chance that things might break down, but listening back to that and knowing that that was just a couple weeks ago, I, <laughs> I'm just sitting here shaking my head in my 15 year career covering the NBA. I have never been around a more dysfunctional team. But in that moment, when I told you all of those things just before the season was really getting rolling, it was yes. all true 100%. And now, Nick, the fact that the star point guard is now enmeshed in the biggest anti-Semitism scandal in recent sports history. The fact that their head coach, Steve Nash, just got fired. The fact that the Nets are now reportedly about to replace Nash with Ime Udoka, who is a coach who is currently serving a year-long suspension from the Celtics. The vibes as they are at this moment are what? Awful. They're the worst I've ever seen within an organization that was trying so hard to move past the narrative that has been the last couple of years. Pablo, the only thing I can give us credit for in that first conversation is at every turn, we were saying everything's good now, but you don't know if it's going to hold up. Yep. 
The Nets have set a record that I've never seen in sports at being able to go from a place that was so good to so, so bad so quickly. And it feels like uh, that ride home may not be happening, Nick. Nope. I, I don't think so. So just to reiterate what Nick was saying there, and just to be fair also to our past selves here, we really were skeptical about the sustainability of those vibes. And you can go back and listen to the caveats. They're everywhere. But still, two weeks later, man, that whole episode does sound like a dispatch from a sort of podcast Pompeii, a postcard from a once proud borough that had no idea that everything would explode so dramatically so soon. So today, we take you inside the disasters, plural, that comprise the historically chaotic Brooklyn Nets, and Nick takes us behind the scenes of a 2-6 and six team that is trying to put out a dumpster fire with gasoline. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Thursday, November 3rd. This is ESPN Daily. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. So next, speaking of time, I want to try to approach this chronologically as much as we are dealing with, it feels like several portals opening up in the sky through which just sewage is flooding out. But we start, I think, with the tweet that Kyrie Irving posted, right? This was the thing that kicked off a whole news cycle uh, in which outlets like Rolling Stone and now me went and actually watched what was in a film titled Hebrews to Negroes, colon, wake up black America, exclamation point. And one of the other people who also seemingly got wind of what was in this was the owner of the team, Joe Sy. Can you explain what it was like to see what Joe Sy tweeted? This was now last Friday, which really kicked off all of this. It starts with that Rolling Stone article, Pablo, because I don't, think a, a vast majority of people understood what was in the movie and Kyrie posted the tweet with a link to the movie and everybody kind of went all right what is this the article comes out that's at mid-afternoon Friday to show you how quickly things changed I'm texting with a member of the the Nets PR staff on Friday night around 6 Eastern, and I'm saying, is the organization going to make a statement? And they said, not likely right now, but things can change. A few hours later, the Nets release a statement. 
It doesn't, frankly, say all that much. No. A couple hours after that, Joe Sy, the Nets owner, says, hey, I, I need to sit down and speak to Kyrie about this because I, I don't think he understands the ramifications, basically, of, of what he's put out there. That's at about 11 Eastern Friday night. We go into shoot-around Saturday morning, talk to Joe Harris. It's like, I'm not even aware of, of any of this. We're just trying to play the game. It was business as usual for Kyrie at shoot-around. Pablo, you get to the game Saturday night. They lose to the Pacers, and the Nets at this point know the questions that are coming to Kyrie after the game. The request was made to have him speak Saturday morning. It, it was in a much more laid-back atmosphere after shoot-around at their practice facility. They declined, or, or Kyrie declined that request. So he didn't speak. So as usual with the Nets, frankly, the game became very secondary. It, it only made things worse in the immediate short term because they lost, and nobody's in a great mood when you lose a game. And that led into the exchange between he and I and the answers that he gave during that press conference that now so many people saw over the last week or so. To follow up on the promotion of the movie and the book. Can you please stop calling it a promotion? What am I promoting? Put it out on your platform. But I'm promoting it? Do you see me doing, do you see By me in front of the putting it out there, the people are going to say that you are Yeah, I promoting. put it out there just like you put things out there, right? Yeah, but I, okay. I, it's not You put stuff. things out there for a living, right? Right, but my Great. stuff is Great. not so let's move on. filled let's with anti-Semitic Let's stuff. move on. Don't dehumanize me up here. I, I'm, not, I'm not doing I'm that. You're free being. to post I can what, post whatever I want, so say that what, and shut it down and move on to the next question. So it feels important to just clarify that by the time you and Kyrie got into that, the owner of the team had already tweeted he was disappointed that Kyrie, quote, appears to support a film based on a book full of anti-Semitic disinformation, end quote. And that Kyrie himself, Nick, had already tweeted a non-apology on Saturday afternoon where he called himself an omnist, someone who respects all religions. And he pushed back on being labeled anti-Semitic in the first place. But what he was not doing was actually addressing any of the wildly indefensible contents of the movie, which we'll get to later, that he very freely put in front of his 4.6 million followers. Kyrie, you have to understand that by I don't have to understand anything from you. But, but it's Nothing. not me. Nothing. By no people that you're making up, bro. Move on. But by posting Move what on. you Next did, question. Anybody Do you guys have any more questions for me? And they're going to say, you guys have any more questions? Because this is going to be a clip. Beliefs. This is going to be a clip that he's going to marvel at. Is this any more questions? But you're not answering the question. Oh, this, this is another answering your question. Oh my God, let's make another Instagram clip so we could be famous again. Next question. I've heard it back so many times now. And I've, I've watched it a few times myself just to kind of go back in my brain. Would I have changed anything? No. Did I feel like the questions needed to be asked? Absolutely. And Pablo, the, the part just to start with is Kyrie had never been asked in a public setting why he put out the first video from Alex Jones. I mean, that's where that whole thing started. Right? Kyrie, while we're on the topic of promotion, why did you decide to promote something that Alex Jones said? As a journalist, I, I felt like not only 
did that question need to be asked? But you allow the subject, in this case, Kyrie, the option to answer however they'd like. And Nick, when he starts to answer the Alex Jones question, it starts off pretty mm-hmm. well, honestly. Kyrie disavowing the denial of the Sandy Hook shooting. That was a few weeks ago. I do not stand with Alex Jones' position, narrative, court case that he had with Sandy Hook or any of the kids that felt like they had to relive trauma or parents that had to relive trauma or to be dismissive to all the lives that were lost during that uh, tragic event. When when he starts, you're kind of going, okay, you know, that all checks out. By the end of it, when he's talking about secret societies, and he and he's like, well, that's all true. Just kind of matter of factly. My my post was a post from Alex Jones that he did in the early '90s or late '90s about secret societies in America of occults, and it's true. You're going, huh? You know what? What? So that leads into what I wanted to ask was, Kyrie, I, we we know what you've tweeted. Just to be clear, do you have anti-Semitic beliefs? And that's when things just went off the rails. But Pablo, you and I have been having this conversation about the net specifically and about the interactions with Kyrie that I've had for a year. And that's where to me as a journalist in, in my position, people were like, what was it like in the moment? What was it like in the moment? I've, I've done this with him over and over. Last year was about the vaccination stuff. This was a, a completely different topic, but in my mind, as I'm sitting there with the microphone, I'm not thinking this is any different than the handful of other times last season when we were going back and forth. And it would have been so easy. And in the last few days, in talking to, to people on the Nets staff, the, the part that is so frustrating internally for the organization is it would have been so easy for Kyrie to just be like, oh, I I don't agree with this. Nick, the job of Kyrie Irving's PR person is simultaneously, seemingly the easiest and hardest job in the world. It's the easiest because it's so clear what he needs to do, right? Do you believe this stuff? Do you have any comment on this stuff? But it's the hardest job in the world because he doesn't actually, per every interaction I've seen him have with you and others, he doesn't actually want to answer these questions. And it becomes wildly incoherent. This is the most frustrating part to me just as a human being. People in the last few days, the stuff they posted on my social media, the stuff they've said, they're saying, you have an agenda against Kyrie. No, I don't. No, I don't. I'm trying to do my job. And I think the thing that is 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 so hurtful to me, frankly, is that I had just had a nice 10-minute conversation with Kyrie on a one-to-one basis uh, during a shoot-around in, in Minneapolis like a week before. Mm. We were not talking on the record about anything. We were just learning about each other. I was telling him how I grew up in Orlando. He's telling me how he grew up in New Jersey. We're talking about how I went to Magic Games when I was a little kid. I, I've actually enjoyed my conversations with him. I wasn't coming at him to try and 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 make this any bigger than what it was. But this feeds into a common theme, I think, not just for journalists who cover Kyrie, but the people around Kyrie. When you challenge him on anything, whatever the topic may be, 
feels like he has to have control over whatever the conversation or the situation is. Mm. He doesn't want to feel like he is kowtowing to anybody about anything. And this is far deeper than this specific moment or one or two specific topics. That is a recurring theme in how he's handled business off the floor and how he's handled his business on the floor as well. And so the Nets stopgap solution here, Nick, as of last night, is to finally release this written statement, which I want to unpack with you here just a little bit, because we get this carefully manicured quote that has Kyrie's name attached, which he says, quote, I oppose all forms of hatred and oppression and stand strong with communities that are marginalized and impacted every day. I'm aware of the negative impact of my post towards the Jewish community, and I take responsibility. I do not believe everything said in the documentary was true or reflects my morals and principles, end quote. But I'm reading this statement, and despite this statement, and despite all the time he's spent talking in front of cameras, we still notably don't really have an actual apology. I mean, he says he meant no harm, but the words that are missing most conspicuously seem to be, I'm sorry. And he still is giving us zero specifics on what in the documentary he does not believe is true. And I've talked to people who've argued with Kyrie personally about like the flat earth stuff, for instance. And this is kind of what he does. He refuses to give clarity. He will revert to saying, I was just asking questions, something he thinks is really important. He's talking about how he wants to be a voice for the community that that he is in i'm in a unique position to have a level of influence on my community and what i post does not mean that i support everything that's being said or everything that's being done or i'm campaigning for anything all i do is post things for my people in my community and those that it's actually going to impact in the next breath like a minute later he's he's talking about how the media makes up that he has all this influence in this platform you guys come in here and make up this powerful influence I have over top of the adultery of oh, you. You cannot post that. Why not? Why not? You can't have it both ways. And that's the issue for Kyrie is because when you ask him for an explanation, he just talks and talks, but it doesn't get to a point a lot of times. And this was the issue that he had trying to explain the vaccination stuff at times last season. And this is yep. the issues that he's in now that has become a far, far bigger deal, not only for him, not only for the organization, but at this point for the, the NBA as well. Yeah, I mean, what he was being asked was simple. His answer was the opposite. And the upshot is that we're in this moment right now, not just in sports, but in American society at large, where, you know, this is after the Kanye West news cycle, or at the very least overlapping with it, right? In which we're getting signs atop of freeways. Kanye was right. It's projected on the sides of buildings. Like this is stuff with real world consequences for people that are terrified. The question is, whenever Kyrie decides to speak again publicly, do you agree with the views in the film? And how he answers that is going to go a long way in determining his short-term future, not only with the Nets, but in the NBA. Because if he doesn't give the answer that I think 
Josiah and the team is looking for and the, the league is looking for as well, there are going to be a lot bigger issues for Kyrie moving forward. And this is why those issues are still top of mind, Nick, because I want to be clear about what is in this movie and in the book that it's based on, having now watched a lot of it and read a lot of it. It is teeming with textbook, completely unsubtle anti-Semitism and, and also just truly brainwormed conspiracy theories. I mean, the, the movie says that the fact that six million Jews were killed in the Holocaust is one of, quote, five major falsehoods perpetrated by the Jews, end quote. It uses a completely fake quote from Adolf Hitler, whose first name the director misspells, by the way, that was, quote, believed to be found in a secret document before his death in an undisclosed location, end quote. And that quote goes on to call black people the true Hebrews and says that Jews are blackmailing and extorting America. And it just goes on and on like this, delving into Jewish people worshiping Satan. And, and the Nets clearly now hope that with this statement they released last night, that people are just going to stop asking questions. And they also are pledging that both the team and Kyrie will donate $500,000 towards, quote, causes and organizations that work to eradicate hate and intolerance in our communities, end quote, and that they'll also work with the Anti-Defamation League in, in some way, however vague. And, and all of that, ironically, just demands more follow-ups. But how would you describe the response across the NBA community broadly otherwise? It's been disappointing, frankly. The NBA re releases a statement. Kyrie's name is not in it. The Players Association, of which he is on the board of releases a statement, his name is not in it. The Nets' initial statement about what he said, his name's not in it. It's like nobody knows exactly what to do. And this is another recurring theme in, in Kyrie's career. It's like nobody wants to challenge him because they don't want the wrath of whatever would come next. Sean Marks said at a, a press conference on Tuesday, why was it decided that it makes sense for Kyrie to continue to be playing and around the team right now while that is going on? You know, we've, we've tried to do a little bit of both, to be honest, like by keeping him, uh, you know, he did not do media last night. He's not going to do media tonight. And you know, at some point he will come up here and, and, and do media again. But I think at this point it's, it's you know, we, we don't want to cause more fuss right now, more interaction with people. Like let's let him simmer down and let's let this whole uh, I guess let's the cooler minds prevail. And I think we need to go out and become, you know, educate ourselves, educate the whole group, and, and get some direction, seek from the experts. It was a bunch of words, frankly. He <laughs> didn't, yeah, it didn't I mean, really say much. It, it felt like a bunch of words designed to prevent us from hearing a bunch of words from Kyrie. A perfect description. He made it clear that he didn't think that Kyrie was in the right place to to speak to reporters. That is his choice. You know, at some point, I would say sooner than later, it behooves everybody if Kyrie would just come out and answer some questions. But they don't want to put him under that spotlight in the moment. But when you're playing in the NBA, when you're making $36.5 million, there is a responsibility that comes with playing and being a part of the league at that level. It's like they are just paranoid about 
what he might think in response to something else. Somebody make a stand about something here. I, everybody is just in this holding pattern. But I'd be remiss, Pablo, if I didn't throw this part in there as well. And I think it is really important in the context of this conversation. Having talked to Kyrie before this incident, I know for a fact how important it is for him to be a shining example, not only as a basketball player, but as a person in society for kids from every walk of life, white, black, any nationality, any ethnicity, religion. He wants to be a bridge for kids to look up to and to say, well, Kyrie did it. I can do it. So this whole juxtaposition against the fact that he didn't answer these questions and he's just kind of talking in circles about what's going on. I say that as somebody who knows for sure how important it is for him in his mind to be a role model for all people and everyone. And so do you think his career in Brooklyn is in peril, Nick? I think his tenure in Brooklyn is very much in question. And Pablo, the reality for the Nets, for the NBA, it all kind of hinges now on what he says the next time he speaks publicly. And if he doesn't answer the questions the way that Josai and the NBA are hoping that he does, it would not surprise me if finally the Nets just said, all right, okay, that, that's enough. People are disgusted. And we saw it with the group of, of eight people sitting courtside wearing the fight uh, anti-Semitism T-shirts. They're really upset in yes. having, having gone through that moment with him, Pablo, having seen what's happened since then in the last couple of days. That's the part that I've never thought Kyrie understood. How just by posting what he did upset so many people. It upset so many Jewish people. It upset so many people. But Kyrie, who wants to be liked uh, and who wants to be that bridge, does not see or did not see in that moment, certainly, how many people he upset a great deal. So, Nick, do you expect Kyrie to answer questions and, and actually apologize and say the words, I'm sorry, with his own voice? into a microphone? I've learned to never expect anything with Kyrie. And Pablo, I, I having covered him and been around him enough now, I apologize. I don't think he will go that far because I don't, I don't think Kyrie ever feels like he needs to apologize or what he believes in the moment. And, and that's been a, a recurring theme for him and, and because Kyrie wants to do what Kyrie wants to do all the time. And so when, when you judge that against what we know with these issues uh, and, and what's occurred recently, I don't think it's, it's straightforward, even if Anyone who is listening to us is saying, well, yeah, it's very straightforward. Just come out and say, 
I'm sorry. And in this case, Pablo, he would be acknowledging an apology that is, you could say, is, is being pushed upon him from a lot of different places. Coming up, the many unanswered questions about the man who is reportedly about to coach Kyrie Irving. Shopping for Father's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Father's Day. Whether you're shopping for your brother's first Father's Day or your Renaissance man grandpa, whose interests, of course, are all over the map, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from $25 and under to $100 and over, You can also sort by category, like cologne, watches, and more. Or gift lists for items like, I don't know, your grill master or golfer in your life. You can also get top tech, from Beats headphones to JBL portable speakers. Or if you're looking for top brands, you'll find gifts from Calvin Klein, Polo Ralph Lauren, and Columbia. So what are you waiting for? Father's Day is June 16th and we'll be here before you know it. Macy's offers the ultimate gift guide to making selecting something special for dad incredibly easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right. So, Nick, we are not done yet somehow because after all of that, we now have to turn our incredibly overloaded attention spans Back to this front office, where on Tuesday, Sean Marks announced that Steve Nash, the man who had been previously handpicked by Kevin Durant, is no longer the coach of the team. As you guys heard the news today, uh, first and foremost, I'd like to thank Steve and Leela and the entire Nash family for uh, their commitment, their sacrifice, uh, friendship, and everything they've done, not only for the, for the Nets organization, but for the, for the borough of Brooklyn. What is your sense of how this happened and under what terms it happened? This is one of those rare cases, Pablo, where I believe what an organization is putting out in that Steve Nash and Sean Marks sat down and it happened certainly before Tuesday afternoon. They sat down and they said, hey, this isn't working. And I got to this beat in January. Having talked to people in the organization having listened to Nash for all these months. It is so clear in my mind how much the off the court stuff played into the decision that he and the organization made two part ways. Steve Nash came to Brooklyn thinking I'm going to coach Kevin Durant. Who's one of the best players we've ever seen. Kyrie Irving, who is incredibly talented. And I am going to diagram a basketball structure 
offensively that is going to be awesome. And what overwhelmed Steve over time was that with the Nets, Pablo, it's, it's not about basketball so often. It's about all the other stuff that happens off the floor. And I tell you a, a quick story for context. And it fits with the theme of, of our whole conversation here. On Monday night, I was coming out of one of the tunnels to go tape something for Sports Center the next day. Who do I run into? Steve Nash. And this is late. This is not, this is not right after everybody had finished and showered and was getting ready to go home. Right. The Nets had just beaten the Pacers. They had just won the game, but this was probably like an hour after the game. So I, I, I had never, I don't think I had run into Steve maybe once in the whole time I've been here. But I, I, I run into him, and as usual, I, I just look, and, and he looks at me, and, and we're just kind of shaking our heads because he had just seen, like we all had, everything unfold the last two days. And, and he said, because he's a nice guy, how you doing? Because he had seen the, the interaction with Kyrie, and, and he knew that it had, had gone viral in that moment. And I said, you know, things are fine, but it's just, it's been hectic. And I, I've been telling him since I, I got this job how much I was looking forward to just sitting down and having a beer with him years down the line and discussing everything uh, that we'd each experience. But Pablo, it's, it's just crazy to think about because he's, he's holding his three-year-old daughter in his arms and he's kind of walking down that path to his car and he, and he had some family members with him. And I did not think right then and there, that'd be the last time I saw him or talked to him. And then the next day, everything would, would change again. But it's another reminder of as, as hard as anyone can try to make a team work, there are so many different things that have to, to happen to, to make that kind of thing happen. And, and I think for him, in having to deal with the egos and deal with the off-the-court distractions, it just got to be too much for, for someone who had already had so much success and made such a great living way before any of this. But now, to return to the other running themes through this team and this episode, it is, okay, how do you manage these egos? And also... What about the outstanding questions that have not even begun to be answered when it comes to the man who is seemingly about to replace Steve Nash, Nick? And I will admit, when I saw the headlines that Ime Udoka was going to be the guy to replace Nash, I thought for sure there was no way in hell that this would happen, given the chaos preceding that theoretical dose of chaos. But you processed all of that how when you have all the issues that are going on and all the drama that surrounds this team and then you decide you know who we need to coach this team the guy who's currently being suspended by the boston celtics for a year pablo nobody questions you may udoka's basketball acumen no the respect he has all over the league before what happened in the summer is immense. The respect he has in the organization. He was in Brooklyn as an assistant. Right, to Steve Nash and then went off to coach the Celtics, took him to the finals, right? Managing difficult egos masterfully as well as improving their defense. 
and and holding everybody in check and not allowing things to overwhelm the group. That's all well and good. He's being suspended right now by the Boston Celtics. Right, a workplace policy violation, a code of conduct violation stemming from what we know to be from the outside an inappropriate workplace relationship. And there are just so many follow-up questions, Nick, to that that we just haven't had the chance to ask as journalists or that we've gotten anywhere close to satisfactory answers on as people who obviously have follow-ups. And Pablo, I cannot stress this point enough. I don't care who the coach is. This team is not good enough. Mm. This team was built to win a championship, not get to the playoffs, win a first-round series. This team, their pieces, they don't fit together. Bob, we've, we've talked the, the, the whole episode. We haven't mentioned the name Ben Simmons once. Ben Simmons, yep. since the last time I talked oh my to you, God. has been terrible. He just has not yep. been good. Yep. One of the, the worst things that can happen in the NBA is when you have a max contract player who's not living up to that max contract. The Nets are in that position right now. Maybe their hope is that he can get a little bit better. But the reality is, for all the self-inflicted drama that the Nets have had, that they potentially will have more of if they hire Ime Udoka, you can put anybody in that role. It is not going to fix the issues that the Nets have because, number one, the players don't fit well together and they're not going to win enough. Number two, the culture that every great team needs isn't there. And you can't create a culture with the same group of players that have not been able to create the right culture and think that it can change overnight or in a couple months. So the people running this team on the episode we recorded last time, we also established that it was being run via partnership, right? Literally on the same page, a boardroom logo, Kevin Durant's logo on the same page as Nets letterhead. So this is Sean Marks, the GM of the team, and Kevin Durant, the star of the team, hand in hand running things is the message that we got, Nick. And right now it does seem like this is the sort of desperation going for Ime Udoka, trying anything that you might do if you didn't think this partnership was going to last much longer. It feels like the sort of thing you do when you know that you may not be around next year, to be honest. It feels like this is the last chip the Nets feel like they have to play. This is what the Udoka news comes off as. And Pablo, I'll be honest, when that Woj report came out the first time, I thought, there is no way in hell. Even the Nets couldn't pull off this move given all the other issues that they're dealing with. But it reeks of desperation because the feeling is, oh, well, if we get a coach in here who Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to respect, then all will be well. Pablo, who wanted... Steve Nash there to begin with. I, like, come on. Right. I mean, Nick, those guys ousted Kenny Atkinson, the incumbent Nets coach when they arrived, a man who was highly respected throughout the league. 
to get Steve Nash. And now KD and Kyrie are getting a new guy that they like even more to try and solve a set of problems that I would argue can be traced right back to KD and Kyrie themselves. Pablo, I do not fault Sean Marks, Josiah, the Nets for making the deal to get Kevin Durant. He's one of the all-time greatest. In making that deal, part of it was, we'll take Kyrie Irving too, who's unbelievably talented, but his track record of, of screwing up teams is very well documented. In order to win a championship in the NBA, you have to have talented star players to get you to one level, and you have to have a culture that is strong enough to withstand those talented star players and the ego that they bring. The Nets made the decision to go for the stars over the culture, believing that over time, the culture would work with these particular stars. It was a bet that they've lost. And if Yudoka is the guy and they believe that that can make a difference in the short term, okay, maybe they'll play a little bit better in the next couple months and the defense will come around a little bit more. But one more time, this team was built to win it all. And they were real close if they didn't get injured a couple years ago and then the vaccination mandate, a bunch of crazy stuff happened. But to think now with the same personalities and Ben Simmons, that everything is going to come together is a fool's errand because that is not the way great championship teams are built. You can't microwave what this team needs the most. Yeah, Nick Friedel, our team needed you today. So thanks for doing this again. Always, buddy. And I look forward to the next chapter because you and I both know it's coming. Oh, we do. We really do. And until then, I am Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.